We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Andrew Claudio, here with another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast coming at you on a Friday morning. Hope you guys have had a great week, have great weekend plans. The third episode of Claudio Week, John and Jeremy will be back on Monday. Still to decide if we're continuing with the pick draft series. There's some not bad family business to settle, but some regular family business to settle. There's actually Nick stuff to talk about that I know John and Jeremy need to discuss together. So more on that later on. But the episode you're about to hear, it is technically yet another Nick's Fan TV, Nick's Film School crossover. No, it's not CP or John Macri doing it, but my good friend that I finally got to have a face-to-face conversation with uh, JD Sports Talk, who goes by JD Sports Talk and why on Twitter, JD Sports Talk over at Nick Fan TV, one of the co hosts, one of the primary co hosts over at Nick's Fan TV, joined me to talk all about all the things going on in Nick's land right now. Obviously, the RJ Barrett stuff, the Julius Randle thing, the 
Tom Thibodeau discussion, uh, Donovan Mitchell, you name it, a bunch of things that JD and I needed to talk about. There's even a segment where we address the conversation John and I just had and how all of you had a reaction to it. Uh, it's funny. I thought the things I was going to wake up to on Wednesday uh, midday were going to be uh, all about my conversation with Peter Schrager. No, it was not. Uh, having said that, I hope you guys did enjoy both the conversation John and I had, which is addressed in the conversation I had with JD and the convo I had with Peter Schrager. Whether you are a Jets fan, a Giants fan, or just a fan of people who are really good at their job in the sports media. The conversation you're about to hear with JD and I, I think you will enjoy as well. We cover all the different bases of what's going on in the Knicks land. I love his work. He and I have had a, a private Twitter DM convo going on over the past, honestly, the past like six months since we both realized that we like each other's work. Uh, and, you know, he's a friend and I get to talk to a friend for about 90 minutes. So I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, the one the only JD Sports Talk from Nick Fan TV. Enjoy. Joining me now here on the Nick's Film School podcast, a man who I've been talking to via DM very late at night, sometimes while he's live on YouTube, part of the phenomenon known as Nick's Fan TV, the one and only Mr. JD Sports Talk. How are you, my friend? <laughs> Andrew, I'm happy to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, just want to say hello and, and shout out to the whole Knicks Film School team. You, Macri, mm -hmm. Jeremy, Ben, and anybody else that's, you know, contributes to the platform. Happy to be here and uh, ready to talk some Knicks hoops. I, I got to add Chris to that because he'll be mad that we didn't uh, back Chris to <laughs> yeah. that. I got shout out to the little, the, the youngin, the, the, the 20 year old phenom himself, Mr. Chris Bersiain. And uh, JD, we, we, this has been a long time coming. You and I connected via Twitter DMs and we both realized that not only do I watch your stuff like consistently, which is like a thing you should do, watch Knicks Fan TV. But you'd be like, yeah, I watch Macri's post game. I watch you guys all the time. And it's like, oh, so you watch my stuff. Something you should do, watch <laughs> Knicks Film School content. And it's funny, John does this from time to time when he hosts, where he'll just like need someone to shoot the shit with. And he's like had me on a bunch just to like talk about all the things going on. But he'll get Matt, he'll get a Futternick on from time to time mm, to do yep. that. He'll get JB on to do it and it feels like unplanned you and i have some shoot to shit uh shit to shoot <laughs> that that made sense in my head and then i said it now it doesn't but you know what i'm talking about there's right. so many things now going on during a pod that i thought was going to be evergreen and I, there there's a lot going on in nick's land jd what do you what do you say there's definitely a lot going on and it seems that Every single day, there's a new twist. Um, there's there's a new topic, mm -hmm. and and there's more uh, controversial takes around the Knicks community. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wonder who might be giving controversial takes <laughs> around the Knicks community. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's someone you know. There, there's someone on the Knicks Film School oh, uh, podcast that, that that I know has said a few things. But so okay, it's a great place to start. So to recap. The Knicks have not traded R.J. Barrett for Donovan Mitchell yet. <laughs> that has not happened. 
Um, the Knicks are probably not going to trade RJ Barrett for Jonathan Mitchell. I don't know how you feel. Where do you land on that? Do you think that's, I'll just start there. Do you think that that's where this ends? No, I, okay. I, I, don't, I don't think they're, they're going to trade him for Donovan Mitchell. Me neither. Um, but the other night when the news dropped and to give some people behind the scenes and make this completely self-involved Tuesday nights, I had my engagement photo shoot. So I was nowhere near the internet, the Twitter, anything. The Mets were struggling to score runs against the Yankees. So that had my attention afterwards. Yes. Congratulations on your world series, JD. Um, listen, I've been getting that shit for so many years. I'm allowed to dish it right back. Okay. Um, and I had told John earlier in the day when KD resigned, resigned, see how I worded that agreed to honor the contract he signed last year that like, you should come on as a guest for the first ever Claudio hosted uh, Nick's film school podcast, because that'd be funny if the first time I get to host my first guest is John. And then while I was gone and like taking care of family business, this whole report comes out from Bagley that made it official to everybody. The Knicks are considering, or at least there are decision makers not against the idea of including RJ Barrett in a trade. This is also after two days of John writing newsletters of maybe they should consider putting RJ in a Donovan Mitchell trade just because of a couple different angles. The fact that he's due for an extension, but the fact that historically the company he finds himself in like by numbers hasn't turned into players that had such an uptick that would make it worth the contract he wants and not including him in a Donovan Mitchell trade. The fact that they really can't trade Julius Randle and if they get Donovan Mitchell, they already have Jalen Brunson and there's only one basketball. So I don't know how the four of them are going to share it and just kind of laid out the case that I can understand if this is a road that Leon Rose pursues. So what our conversation turned into when I had him on, when I got home Wednesday night, kind of being blindsided by the fact that we were even going down this road. Right. It was just that it was laying out the case that like, I understand if this is the direction Leon Rhodes goes down because like you also need to think about the next trade you're going to have to make. Your roster isn't ready to compete for a championship after you acquire Donovan Mitchell. If RJ Barrett being included in it brings the price so far down that you're not strapped of all your assets and ready to make that next trade in a year or two. I understand if that's his thinking and what it turned into is, Oh, Hey with me, everybody. Why do you hate RJ Barrett? So I guess I'll, I'll throw this at you. Do you at least understand if this is the road that Leon Rose pursues or are we just like selling the ability for this kid who has shown nothing but to be a hard worker that embraces this city entirely too short and entirely too low at his value? Are, are, are we not giving him enough credit that he's going to turn into something that defies all the historical context that he finds himself in? Listen, you know, <laughs> it's just funny coming from Macri because of the history with RJ. Yes. And uh, how people think that, you know, He's not the highest on 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 his skill set. He is going to have to live down that prospect ranking forever. Yep. Having said that, I really thought we covered it successfully the other <laughs> night. I thought we covered all angles. I mean, you but, know how you know, it happens. You no, know, you know how our community are. You know, yes, it's, it's overreaction over 
literally everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Listen, I understand the conversation. I definitely do. Um, Even I've thought to myself, right? Like, let's say the trade happens and RJ's not part of the deal. So now you have the core four Mm -hmm. of Julius, Brunson, RJ, and Mitchell. Mitchell and Brunson are already tied to contracts. So is Julius, who's $100 million. Now you're going to have, once you tie money into RJ, that's your core, you would think, Mm -hmm. right? So how is that going to fit? And then when you look at thinking about how are we going to improve the roster, you're likely not going to do it via salary cap, right? Because Mitchell, RJ, even if we take Randall out of the equation, that's a lot of money. So you're, you're not going to improve it via salary cap without it being someone else going out, you know, right? like right, one of those right. four would be going out in a move right. for a bigger contract. Like you're not going to just sign a free agent. Outright. Right. You can't add to this. It's with going to have to be right. via via trades. And the other business side of it is when you just sign someone to an extension, like what's the history of that player getting traded immediately? Right. It's, like someone gets yeah, signed a to a five year. I mean, Kevin Durant just signed and we saw how that worked out for him. Right. So I understand the conversation. I understand. I also understand, understand the skepticism once he's on the team. However, mm-hmm. however, and I think part of the I think part of the reaction was because it was Ian Begley. Right. And and Ian Begley, you know, a lot of people put him with shams and woes. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as the Knicks community, a lot of people hold him on high regard. So everybody's like panic. Oh, my God. Ian said this. So that has to be true. Um, but uh-huh. I think sometimes we fail to look at the actual context of the report. Um, you know, and Ian saying there's some decision makers. We don't know who those decision makers are and how many times have we seen reports in the past of decision makers on the Knicks having certain opinions and it didn't result in that decision being made. Mm. We saw that report with Tibbs, right? Like uh, Worldwide West went to the owner. Well, Tibbs is still the coach of the New York Knicks. So I think, and when you look at the personnel, this front office, I mean, you have influential people. You have Brock Aller, you have Worldwide West, mm-hmm. you have Scott Perry, you have Leon. You don't like you have known executives, so it's going to be normal for guys to not agree on everything, right? Like it's just going to happen. Um, but I'm not doing it. I'm not trading on. Okay, what's the what's the root of that emotion there, or what the root of that statement? Is it like I believe he's going to get better? It's like Donovan's not the guy to do this for. I, I think it's it's a lot of his makeup as a player in the New York market. You see, mm. when I evaluate players and, you know, obviously we're baseball fans, we're fans here of New York. You see, Andrew, how difficult it is. I mean, me as a Yankee fan. Look, no further than Joey Gallo. Highest yeah, OPS in baseball since getting traded. I know you remember Jason Bay with the Mets. I know mm. you remember. Robbie Alomar, Mo Vaughn. Go down right? the list, man. You know, I hope everyone turns into Edwin Diaz and they figure it out. But right. You know, yeah. There's so many examples in all of sports, football, baseball, basketball of players having a certain skill set somewhere else. They come here and it's just a totally different dynamic. I mean, even Julius Randle, one of the current Knicks, you know, a lot of people saying that he's dealing with, um, you know, a situation where it's just maybe tough to play here. So the relationship with the fan base, some of the stuff that happened, you know, does that happen in OKC? 
I don't know. Does that happen in Indiana? <laughs> I don't think so. Right. So RJ's makeup, RJ being homegrown, you know, we have soft spot for those type of players. And so when I look at how the pressure is going to build as this team improves, I want to have players on this team that have that makeup. I want to have players on this team that are going to be able to handle the market. I, I don't even know how you evaluate that. There's no yeah, statistic. There's, there's no meter to evaluate a player having the ability to have thick skin and, and play in this market. The other thing is, I believe he's gotten better every season. I, I know that statistically this year, he took a step back in terms of the efficiency department, mm-hmm. but I still saw improvement in other areas of his game. And, you know, at just turning 22 years old, I just think I don't know that I see superstar in his game, but I see a player that can be, I mean, listen, can he become a Jalen Brown? Can he, <laughs> you know, um, does he have to be Jalen Brown? Can he become a, a notch under? I think he can do that. I think he become a notch under Jalen Brown still has, I know they went to the finals and, 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 you know, when you get to a certain spot in in a in, in a sport, your value just skyrockets. But Jalen Brown can tell you there's a lot of improvements left in his game. Ball handling. He still can get better as a shooter. He still can get better as a shot creator. RJ's working on that as we speak. And I'm not saying this to say that he is going to be Jalen Brown or using that as a barometer for him. But I am saying that he's just a player that I just going I'm going to continue to see improvement and I want to see how that pans out. It's hard to give up on 22 year old players that are 6'6", 214 pounds and that already play here. Yeah. At the end of the day, we don't know how some of these other players are going to play in this market. And so for me, I value that a lot in, 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 in this specific market. Now, if we're talking somewhere else might be different ways on how I evaluate players. So a couple things, the, the fact that there's this 35 game stretch that I can't really ignore too much, you know, that like the larger sample size of RJ Barrett last year, like you said, was an inefficient guy that averaged 20 points a game. There's this stretch from that I mentioned on the pod the other night from December 31st to like late March that. He was averaging 24 a game on 42% shooting, which isn't great, but 36 from three, his normal 71 from the free throw line and like on seven attempts at the line, which you just wonder if he just improves that free throw shooting, how much more do we value RJ Barrett? And it's why I'm trying not to take that out and be like, this is him and consider the whole sample, but I'm also trying not to discount it. There's also this element of like, what does, what does he look like on a team without Julius Randall, which is, I think the number one question we all have is why is Julius Randall still here? How much does he affect what this team looks like with Donovan Mitchell? How much is team, how much does he, does he look like if like, if he's on the team with Jalen Brunson, we're still like wondering what that's going to look like this year. So as a result, I'm also trying not to completely completely blame his inefficiency on Randall, but also factor in my evaluation of him that he had to play next to the actual worst high volume player in the NBA last year. The got better every year take, he definitely was better at year two than year one because there was no way to get worse than his year one. 
And his year two, he really made a living on these wide open corner threes that just shot his efficiency yep. through the roof. But it was playing off ball of a guy like Julius Randle. Um, I wonder, I will say, I do wonder if... Like, do you ever see him being the second best player on a team ready to win a championship? Or is his future... Is his future destined to be like a Miles Bridges or like in the perfect situation, Jalen Brown? But like there were possessions when Jalen Brown was catch and shoot. Like is RJ's future going to be someone off ball and not creating for somebody off ball, you know? And the the cluster of what he's had to play around is so, so specific that while I understand, this is why I, I tried to push back a little bit against John the other night. And look, I got to be honest, I thought we handled it perfectly well. If you disagree with him, that is your prerogative. I don't think he's stupid for it. I actually think he just said some stuff you didn't want to hear. Um, not you, obviously, JD. Right. The internet. Um, <laughs> I, as much as I, I, I pushed back, I, I do think that like, I want to see what he looks like when a situation around him that is built for more success for him. Now saying all that, is being on a team with three with two high usage guys like Randall and Donovan Mitchell, and then one guy who we thought was coming to here to get more usage, like Jalen Brunson. And there's this looming extension that he apparently wants more than what the Knicks are ready to give him. That I understand if they're like, well, we're not giving you a max, and we can get Jalen Brunson, we, excuse me, we can get Donovan Mitchell for you. It's it's why I think it's more complicated than people are letting out. Then it's like he's an untouchable. Don't trade him. He's built for New York. He's our kid. He's the the Broadway Barrett. He's like Maple Mom. But like all these other things that are much more emotional because we haven't seen a guy sign a second contract that was taken in the first round since Charlie Ward. Yep. But take all of that out, all that emotion out. There is a complicated team building way that I understand if this is a road they go down and it's, it, I don't think it makes you a bad person to understand and potentially even side with the Knicks. If that's a direction they go down, you know? Well, yeah, because there's, there's going to be a lot of unknown. I mean, mm -hmm. even if they make the move and RJ's here, there's going to be, there's going to be so many storylines with that team, starting with the fit of those four players and then the future. Right. Like we don't know if Julius is a part of this future. Everyone thinks that he is eventually not going to be a part of this future. So if you don't have Julius and you don't have RJ, uh -huh. here, here we are again having a conversation of just, well, we did all this just for Julie, uh, for Jalen and, and Donovan Mitchell, two six one guys. And is that like the core? Like, oh, we did all this. So can I push? Can I ask a question? Not necessarily pushback, but just like a counterpoint. Are we sure that a team with the spacing of what Quentin Grimes could give you what if you believe in last 14 games, Obi Toppin, what Obi Toppin can give you playing off of Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell? Are we sure that's not a better put together team with RJ on it? So you what you would need RJ playing over right. Quentin Grimes. Because okay. the thing is, Quentin Grimes is six five. And if you're gonna have Jalen Donovan Mitchell, who I know first of all, everybody everybody says he's six one, he's technically six three in shoes oh, okay. <laughs> so i just want to point that <laughs> out go. i just want to point that out he is technically six three in shoes but now mm -hmm. the nba is doing the whole thing but whatever um but you know quentin grimes is six five he would play a lot of three 
and you're looking at an ultra small lineup. Um, and although Quentin Grimes is known as a very good defender, there's still going to be mismatches at the three. So even though he can play good defense, um, that doesn't mean that the Knicks may run into, you know, long term issues in terms of them not wanting to have that prototypical six, 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 seven, six, eight uh, small forward. Now, with RJ and and, you know, the whole thing with with Julius. Listen, I'm not doing it. I'm just I'm just not I'm just not doing it because I just want to see it. I just want to see it through. I want to see it through with an improved roster. There's this the first of all, the people that are in the Julius camp, that's what they say, right? Like some of them are excited. There are about, people in the Ju- you would know better than I would because you want to talk <laughs> no, about Macri takes. Well, I want to give credit there to there are the, people you know, in the Julius camp. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give I want to give some you know shine to the few, uh the minority that 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 are looking forward to watching Julius Randle with a Jalen Brunson. I don't understand that myself to Julius. I don't, I don't understand this narrative that, you know, Oh, let's see Julius now with Jalen, because I I just don't see Jalen being as that true general that Mm -hmm. you would think could fit with a Julius. Jalen is a guy that also needs the basketball. He's more of an aggressive, um, you know, looking to score type of guy um, instead of a high, like a very high assist guy. But with RJ, I want to see him, get the opportunity with a better roster around him. And I just want to see how that works out. I want him to, you know, I want to see an opportunity with him playing with an athletic team around him. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to see, you know, if Obi's on this team, I want to see the minutes that he's out there with Obi at the four and Jalen and, 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 and Donovan Mitchell, how's that going to look when they push the tempo? Like, I just want to see these examples before I make a determination on giving up on RJ before we expose them to those, you know, situations, because I think part of it, and I use the Celtics a lot, you know, Tatum and and Jalen Brown were able to be better, not only because they took the next step, but because of the situation around them. They had a lot of good defenders around him. They had a good coach. Um, They played a certain style of basketball. And if that didn't happen this season, you you, remember going into the season, there was a lot of pressure on that Boston Celtics organization. There was also a lot of pressure on does Jalen Brown and Tatum fit? Mm-hmm. Is that a, is that a twosome that can play? They received the opportunity and they answered to that. I want RJ Barrett to receive the opportunity with an improved roster, with a faster lineup going into last season. I didn't like the Fournier signing because I just thought that that was going to expose RJ to situations as a defender mm-hmm. where he had to guard like a Bradley Beal or some of these shifty two guards that he's not fast as fast enough to, to defend. And I just thought that was going to take, um, you know, some 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 physicality away from from his offense. So I want to see how this plays out. The way that I look at it is if I'm the Knicks, I'm looking at a situation where I'm trying to make that deal, keep RJ here, and then eventually you look to move Julius and surround RJ and and Donovan with a with a more athletic lineup. It's funny. It's why you hear all these rumblings of Grimes starting over. Fournier, because he takes the Reggie Bullock role right there. He just guards all the all the twos, and then RJ's job isn't as hard. Um, I think what you're saying 
about seeing it through with RJ is why there's so much consternation amongst the fan base with all of the kids. Like the situation they were in last year, I don't have a full evaluation of Obi Toppin or Deuce McBride or Emmanuel Quickly. And like to an extent, Quentin Grimes, although Tibbs fell in love with him once he showed he could defend the way that he he demands his players to. Um, yeah, I I think that's why there's so many. It's not even an over evaluation of our own guys, you know, as some people some people say Nick's Twitter does on jazz radio stations. And, and, um, and, and allow me to say this too, because I, I, you know, I had said this on Nick's fan TV that with all that being said mm-hmm. of what I just finished saying about RJ, the fact is if this trade gets done and RJ is here, I think RJ becomes a wild card in all of this because I think, I just think that Donovan and Jalen, those guys obviously are experienced enough. They have playoff experience, right? They have high leverage situation experience. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll find a way to figure it out. What is going to be RJ's role now, right? Before this whole Donovan Mitchell stuff, people were talking about RJ getting the keys to the offense, right? When you, when you speak of that stretch, RJ became the focal point of their offense. Yeah. I don't see him being the number one option if Donovan's here. I oh, see everything yeah. shifting towards what we can do to surround Donovan. But isn't that RJ's an argument have to for... hit shots? Sorry, go ahead, finish. No, I was just going to say, RJ, I see, would need to have more of a season last season where he uh-huh. was hitting 40% from three because I don't know that he is going to have the usage to get the ball up top, call the ISO, set a pick, and just drive to the basket. I don't know that that's going to be um, the offense. So in other words, you're going to see Jalen a lot. You're going to see Donovan dominate the ball a lot. RJ is going to have to hit some open shots, which means his game mentally, he's going to have to sh- uh, shift the way that he plays, at least with the first unit. And I think because of that, he's going to have pressure because if he's out there shooting 35%, mm-hmm. right? And and Donovan and Jalen are playing well, You you know how... When people construct the rosters, when you get two superstars, everybody wants to put shooters around those two superstars. That's just the way people think the NBA, you know. So isn't that an argument for like keeping a guy like Grimes, who's already proven he can succeed off ball and keeping a guy like quickly? That's just me being objective. But like as a result, (laughs) isn't this an argument for trading RJ Barrett in that deal? That's why I said I understand. I understand the conversation, but it's still I still want to see RJ in that situation. So I see it, but I still want to see him in that situation to see how he responds to it. Here is the actual, I th- I think, the actual dream scenario. Because I, I, I probably used the words dream scenario wrong the other night. And it was like all these shooters around Donovan Mitchell and, and, uh, and Jalen Brunson. And it was like, Julius is gone, but RJ's gone too. And you're just... You're actually having a team with two primary ball handlers and shooters around both of them. Like Julius Randle off the team is the that the might dream, be it. That's really the 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 dream scenario. So I wonder if they don't even pull off a Donovan Mitchell trade, but that is the thing that they do. And it's like okay, off season complete. And it's why and I everything I've heard from my very limited sources and like for what we oh. collectively have heard is like they thought they were done when they signed Brunson and they signed Hartenstein. And it was like, all right, we re-signed Mitch. 
We'll see if somebody gives us something for Julius, but this is probably our team going into next year. And then the Jazz traded Rudy Gobert because the Timberwolves got desperate. And now the summer of Donovan Mitchell that I think a lot of people in the front office thought was next summer is now. And so here we are, an entire summer of will they or won't they? And look, to Leon Rose's credit, all of the minions for Danny Ainge have been out there trying to put pressure on him and saying that the Knicks have to do this. The Knicks are desperate, should be desperate. Stephen A. Smith, with his very little information, after saying he doesn't talk to the Garden, yet apparently knows what the Garden is thinking, is out there saying the Knicks have to go get a superstar. And yet he's held the fort. Like he's held the line and is like, I have the best offer. Like you still have not presented a scenario where someone else has the best offer. Shout out to Evan Damro who covers the Cavs. Like the Cavs can't then extend Evan Mobley if they trade for Donovan Mitchell. So they're not going to do that. They're probably just doing their due diligence. Like I commend Leon Rose for holding the fort here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And man, I don't know where you are at this point with Randall, but I I have a lot of regret for some of the things I felt, <laughs> I said about Julius Randall last year, maybe on behalf of others, but I just like this guy was a savior two years ago. I oh embraced the city and then we fell in love with his backup off of like four fast breaks. And I understand if he emotionally got frustrated by how last season went, what I don't understand is how this fixes. Like, I I just don't, I know he can't be worse than he was last year, but we already just talked about how he's not going to be someone that lowers his role. I also don't think that the, 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 like Charlie Ward said it in your guys, Instagram post, like there's just no scenario where it fits. So I'll ask you, like, do you see a world where Julius Randle is on this team next year, regardless of whether they trade for Donovan Mitchell? Um, I, I see a world where he at least starts the season. Okay. Um, I don't think is, you know, it's funny because you saw the Shams report where Obi was part of an offer. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder when I saw that report, I, I was actually surprised. Um, but then I thought about it. And then you see the other report that the Lakers are not interested in Julius. And there was a lot of rumors about, you know, you know, the Lakers being a potential partner um, for Julius. And I wonder if the market for him is so dead that 
the Knicks just don't even want to go into this season with Obi in year three Mm -hmm. and dealing with the same situation because the head coach has a style where he likes the traditional center, mm-hmm. 6'11", 7 feet, and that center to have rim protection ability. And and where does Obi get that opportunity? Can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. Is he wrong on that? I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I and, get and people the, know about the, the biggest tips. You know I know you're not. I, I have a t- some tips <laughs> questions later. I just like... There's not somebody that said it can work defensively yet. They just want to see what it looks like offensively. I think I want to see what it looks like offensively. And I wish in some of these situations when the Knicks are like four possessions in a row struggling to score. And it's like, let's just see it for like four possessions to see if that's like an instant offense. And then the other team can adjust defensively. That's fine. But yeah, I, I I get why they won't go, won't go to them together. But to your point, so do they go into year three with Obi all again, playing eight minutes a game, you know? And, and I think that could, I, I, you know, I've always said that there's, there's things that don't get reported in sports because there's a business side. Mm-hmm. And I know that we see all the stuff about Obi and the New York and all that stuff. And he's from here and the, and the dad, he loves it here. And you see the crying video when, when he was drafted. That was all good and dandy. But as time goes on, all that stuff wears off and the business plays in. He has mm-hmm. an agent. He is a guy that is looking to get another contract. Right. And with that comes the business side of a lottery pick that technically, I guess, if you want to look at the way the stock reports went, kind of dipped a little bit lower than he was supposed to be drafted. He was the college player of the year. And now you're going into year three on a rookie deal and you still haven't received the opportunity to be a starter in this, in this. Right. There comes a point where I know the business side behind it. You know, the agent goes to Obi and say, listen, I know you love New York, but <laughs> you want this contract. We need to, you know, soon find an opportunity for you where you're getting 28, 30 minutes where you get to prove to yourself if you are an NBA starter in this league. And that's why I think there could be some stuff behind closed doors. And then that's why the Knicks may be motivated to get something done either before the season, whether unfortunately that would mean Obi going to Utah or, you know, the Knicks. Talk to OB behind the scenes and say, you know, let's see how this plays out. Give us one more season. We'll figure this out for you. And then the Knicks look to move Julius because I don't know. You know, it's funny. Julius style is like, to me, is like one of those 1A, you know, top guys. Yeah, style, yeah. His style of play. Mm-hmm. So how do you ask a player who's not a, you know, 1A or A player to dip down his style for everyone else when he's not an off-ball player. Because that's mm-hmm. the thing. If he's a guy that was a slasher, you know, Dwayne Wade worked out perfectly with LeBron because of that. You see it around the NBA. Um, those second option guys, uh, a lot of them are strong players off-ball. They don't need the ball. They can find spots and, and ways to impact the game of, of basketball. How does Julius do that? And ha- that hasn't been a strength throughout his career. So because of that, and then you add players around him that need the basketball, how is that dynamic going to improve just because the team is better? 
Yeah. Just because the team is better doesn't mean that Julius is going to play better. Especially, you know I mean? yeah, especially like, like they added two guys that, like you, you just said it. If the two guys that make the team better need the ball, that still doesn't solve the problem. Like as much as we all hated Alfred Payton and didn't think that, didn't really think that the the Reggie Bullock losing him for Fournier was that big of a deal, especially offensively. I think it was more of a wash than anything else. Um, defensively, it's a different story. Um, Julius really didn't have to worry, especially since that year, RJ became an off-ball threat. Like Hitting him in the corner was part of the success that they had last year. And man, I, Jeremy and I have, have continued to go back and forth over pretty much this entire offseason that About just Julius. like, I just don't... And look, I, I actually want to think there's a scenario that he can. <laughs> it's not that he, that he can turn it around. It's that the contract isn't that bad, that it isn't as detrimental as right. it potentially could be. And just like knowing him and how his brain operates, like he's seeing a couple things. He's seeing that Julius did technically sign for below market value for a guy that just made second team all NBA. He sees like smaller markets like Charlotte or Indiana or these other places that don't have a history of signing players ever, you know, long-term contracts. So here's a guaranteed guy to take up minutes for the next four years and your salary cap at an affordable price. And also he sees the next four years of the CBA, which are projected to go up $10 million every year. If by year four of Julius's contract, he's going to be like the 150th highest paid player in the NBA. That's the numbers that are projected toward players and salaries over the next couple of years. So I, I get it that from a financial standpoint, Julius's contract is going to age really well. The problem I have, well, it's twofold. One, it's Obi. Like I want, I'm tired of him taking up Obi's minutes. And I, that's like a weird way to say it. Like I'm tired of a guy that made second team all NBA taking up the minutes for a guy that I have not yet to see outside of a 14 game sample that I loved. Um, I've not yet seen him play like well, good basketball as a starter. And the other part is I just, I don't know how Julius plays off ball of anybody like him next to Donovan Mitchell, not a great fit him next to Jalen Brunson, not a great fit him next to how used to charge Barrett. We saw it last year, not a great fit. So how does he go to someplace else and be not a great fit to a guy that needs the ball? So you got to find the perfect situation that like, Trading him to Charlotte next to Lonzo Ball. Oh, excuse me, Lamelo Ball. Not a great fit. Next to Terry Rozier. Not a great fit. Like that's what I, I keep you, going it's, back to. It's it's, it's a it's, difficult basketball fit wherever you want to trade him. You know. Yeah, and and you know a player like that. You know the contract thing. I think it's an argument to kind of you know just so we can feel comfortable saying we can move them. Like it's mm-hmm. okay. We just have to be patient. We can move them. The CBA, the money's gonna go up. But I think in the end, does that still mean that we're gonna get something in return that's valid? Yeah. You know. So I think the argument is more of we can get rid of him, but does it like in other words? How high can his value, his value get to where we can get something, you know, valuable in return? Like, what does he have to do? This guy had a 20 and 10 season. Does he have to get 30, 20 and 10? Like, like, uh-huh. like, like what I'm saying is how higher does he have to go? Is it a statistic thing? Is it an encore thing? Is it a 
body language thing? Like, what does Julius technically have to do for all the people that say, you know, we're going to keep him to raise his value? When I hear that, I think and I say, you know, what does he have to do, really? And because I just think it's it's a matter of how the league just views him as a player. Um, the only way that I see, honestly, you getting value for him is if somehow there's some teams, you know, you go into the deadline, you see a team that wants to take a chance on, a you know, Julius who can score the basketball and maybe a Denver Nuggets team or one of these kind of small market teams that doesn't necessarily attract the free agent want to take a chance you see minnesota just did it i know rudy gobert is an outstanding defensive player but to me that's still a risk by that organization Mm -hmm. look what they gave up and part of it i think is because minnesota they're looking at it is how do we improve our team where we're going to have to take a risk on another guy on another team can a team like that develop and say you know we're not going to get any other superstars. Maybe we can trade for Julius. And then I think that's what Leon is hoping for, something like that to develop. Because when it comes to stats, guess what, Andrew? I actually see his stats dipping at least points. If Donovan's here, I see his numbers dipping, mm-hmm. but maybe his efficiency ticks up because you would think with better players around him, maybe he doesn't need to extend so much energy and usage to score the basketball. Um, But then if that happens, does his value go up? It's just, I think he's one of the most complicated situations to figure out because of the way that he plays. And honestly, there's a lot of pressure on him, Andrew. There's a (laughs) lot of pressure. If we get Donovan and this team in the first 10 games is five and five and Julius is shooting 41%, you don't think every time he misses, the boo birds are going to come out of the stands? It, again, it's twofold. It's not just that he's shooting 41%. It's that Obi's playing 12 minutes a game. And then that's happening? Right. There's a like, lot of pressure on this team. If Donovan's on this team, yeah. there's a lot of pressure on Julius because I think the biggest mistake he did is when he did that whole thing to the fans. You know how this market is, Andrew. We don't, we, we can sometimes forgive, we don't forget. And, well, so and <laughs> okay, so here's what I'm gonna say about so the thumbs down thing is just like unforgivable. Like, I I think once you do that, there's no coming back, unless. And I saw this because a guy literally thumbs downed me on my baseball team with his friend, <laughs> and within weeks I was like, Javi Baez, give him a long term contract. He had like a 900 OPS over the final two months of the season. Like, I'm all for it, Lindor. Bought a future to for him to win the MVP. Like I'm all in on Lindor this year. And like what has to happen is you also perform after that. There's I guess it's not unforgivable. The thumbs down thing. If you then turn your season around or turn your contract or performance around. I think the biggest problem and you just said it is that the way for him to turn his value around, he needs the ball to do it. And the as a result, like if Julius Randle's value goes up, RJ Barrett's value goes down. If it's Donovan Mitchell, like, I don't know how he's doing that. Like if his value goes up because he's scoring more, it means less touches for Donovan Mitchell, less touches for Jalen Brunson, less touches for literally everybody else on the team. And it's why it's so fascinating to see. Cause like he had this stretch in, in late in the stretch in February where I have it in front of me, he averaged 29.6 points a game, 12 rebounds, six assists. And it was like 30 point game, 30 point game, 30 point game 
right. all the way to the end of the all-star break. And that's when the, the uh, collapse against Portland happened. That's when the game against OKC, when Josh Giddy turned into Luca for two quarters. Right. Um, and then the Brooklyn collapse, right? And it's because RJ stayed in the game and I'll have, we'll end with, we'll get to Tibbs. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> RJ stayed in the game at the end of the Denver game of the blowout. And for t- some reason, Tibbs had him on the court and he was out and it gave Julius the freedom to be like, all right, I'm just going to be my ball for the next six games. And it led to some high volume that RJ came back first game after the all-star break scores 46 points and Julius goes two for 15. And it's like, all right, RJ's great, but we can't survive with both of them at high volume because there's just no world for them to both succeed, which is why the most frustrating thing about last season being the head coach and not even, I don't think I fell on the side of fire tips. I know you did at a certain point. I think what I fell on the side of was like, this can't be the thing we keep doing, you know, like somebody in the front office, step in, say your job is safe. And like Julius can play 22 minutes a game. Let's see what Obi has. Let's just see what this looks like. And we saw it the last 15 games, they went nine and five and the team was so much more entertaining to watch. Um, I guess, where are you now on Tibbs? And is it uh, what I, I'll I say? Guess is, this is, this, is, not the, so this much, is the section that, that Macri turns that off. That turns off for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even so much where are you on Tibbs? Because I think we all know where the off front, where the front office is on Tibbs at this point. But like, is it frustrating that part of every calculation about a player is like, well, we can't, like, I can't even think that he'll play Obi more minutes or you don't think he'll play Obi more minutes. I know the Berman report is out there that Obi won his respect, but I guess, what do you see more likely? I know I'm asking like four questions at the same time, but like, are we headed for ever Obi playing eight minutes and Julius playing 40 next year? Or do you like see a world where opening night, Obi plays 22 minutes, Julius plays 26. And it's like, all right, I could, I could live with this. Like, this is a balanced he didn't play the entire third quarter. Like mm. he went on a couple of bad runs and then Obi got checked in midway through and the team went on a run and it was great. Like, I, is, does that a, a feasible thing that you see happening next year? I think it's so, it's so, it's so difficult to answer at this point because they're in the middle of this, these trade negotiations. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, part of the motivation of them wanting to get a deal done with Donovan is to clear some, some, some minutes and some, some, paths for you know not only obi but a lot of people think cam should 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 get some i know you do uh, now opportunity (laughs) um but it's i think i think he's gonna have to um i think he's gonna have to be open to you know decreasing julius minutes i actually think that could that could be one of the sneaky ways to raise julius uh value because Julius has to be in a situation where the team is winning and is mm-hmm. being productive because like, like I mentioned before, sometimes winning just inflates your value. <laughs> you may, you may not have done much, but <laughs> just because the team is winning and you're exposed to that and the team is doing well, players value just naturally goes up around the league. Um, and I also think, you know, with Obi again, uh, I, I, he's a lottery pick and n- not only from a lottery pick standpoint, when he's out there, the team plays faster. The team just 
the energy just goes up, not only from him, but it just seems like players around him, they pick it up. Uh, I've played basketball on playgrounds. When I play with players around me that are just hustling, mm. rebounding, um, they're playing hard for just a natural reason that unless you play ball, you understand your, your energy just picks up playing around people like that. Um, here's the problem, Andrew. Tibbs is coaching for his his life. His life, yeah. And did you see that schedule? I <laughs> did. Did you see those first 10, 15, yeah. 20 games? So, you yeah. know, uh, it, I, it, it all sounds good, but I always think what is going to happen if the Knicks go out to Memphis and they lose that game, they lose by 12, and then now you have that home opener in Detroit, you're 0-1. You know, like how will Tibbs coach? How would he, how will his rotations look? Will he just say, you know what? I need to get off a good start and I need to rely on my veterans to get me there. Will he continue to be, you know, with that style? And I think this is why this is one of the most important seasons for this franchise. I think this franchise is at a critical juncture in, you know, we all kind of see somewhat the vision, but you know, who is going to be the coach that's going to get us there and what players are going to be the core to get us there. And I think Tibbs has a lot to think about. And today, even without Donovan Mitchell, there's still log jams around this roster that he has to figure out. And, you know, I know they got rid of a lot of veterans, but you still have Fournier here. You still have Julius here and he's 27, but there's still a lot of questions on on fit. Mm -hmm. And then you have Obi right behind him. And we know with Hartenstein sign, mm -hmm. he's not playing center. Like, we know that's not going to happen. So you can scrap that. People thinking that Obi can play the three, you can scrap that. Oh, gosh. I've never can, understood that. You yeah. can scrap that. You know, uh, I, I saw Obi play, you know, some street ball games and stuff. Me and CP saw him. Mm -hmm. um, there were some athletic guys out there. And I just don't see him. You know, being that three, a lot of people say Sean Marion, but Sean Marion was an outstanding defender. A lot of people forget that part of Sean Marion's game. Yeah. Um, you know, people are quick to just compare a player and you forget the critical part of what that what made that player so versatile. And what Sean made Sean Marion so versatile is he could Sean Marion could guard one through four. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's so much more. we're wondering if obi could just guard a four like, yeah I, I guess i'm I mean? so like, i'm Obi's perplexed made by a lot comp, of improvements yeah. but you know I, and i know we are so desperate to find the path for him so can obi play the three can can obi play the five mm -hmm. yes he can play the five in in spurts in small ball basketball that is more likely but the problem is you don't have the coach that could do that maybe johnny bryant does that but Tibbs won't. So mm. I just think Andrew with Tibbs, it, it's I, I, I don't know how he does it. I really don't. Unless so, you clear this roster out and you make it like it is so clear on paper who is mm -hmm. the one, who's the two, who's the backup. I don't know how he does it. So then is this a a prediction that Tibbs doesn't last the season or I, I guess, yeah, is that what would shock you more? He does it. And like this team is, is 20 and 15 after 35 games or he doesn't. And Johnny Bryant's the head coach. I actually think the team is going to do well. Really? So I guess okay. that means he'll be here. Um, because, you know, 
one of my biggest arguments last year, and I know at first people thought it was crazy, is, you know, I always said the young, I thought the young kids gave this team actually a better chance to win than the veterans mm-hmm. because of the scouting reports of the young guys, the Deuce McRise, the, the, the Quentin Grimes, they do what Tibbs likes. Mm-hmm. They play defense. So my argument was when you look at summer league and you look at the offseason and you look at the scouting report, when you looked at every stage last year, you saw those players translate from offseason to uh, to summer league. Then it was, well, it's summer league. They're doing it against undrafted guys. Okay, well, they did it in the preseason. Then it's, well, it's the preseason. And then when they got spot minutes in the season, you saw the way that they reacted towards NBA talent. I always said defense translates. And then when they did get the opportunity, you just saw the team play differently. You saw them mm. play better. Um, and, and so I think that there is a, actually a scenario where if he goes with the young guys, that the team just plays better. And guess what? Maybe the front office develops more patience for him because of that. He's doing what you want him to do. And he's playing the young guys. The young guys are playing hard. And if the team is, so in other words, if let's say he plays all the young guys, Fournier's gone, even if they don't get Donovan and the team is 500 mm-hmm. or a few games over 500, do you fire tips? Hey, yay. Hey, hey. Um in other words is there a specific C that we have to hit is there a specific record is there a specific over 500 number that we have to hit like what is the actual barometer that we're going to judge tips or is it hey he played everybody we wanted and we still didn't make the playoffs so he should get he should come back like okay so that's the, uh, the more interesting question and I've I've no idea how much C actually matters, but Jay, James Dolan wants to sell playoff tickets this year. Mm. You know, um, like I said this to John a couple of weeks ago. Like this team was unwatchable and won thirty seven games. The Pelicans were a, a revelation to the Western Conference playoffs, and it was like I can't wait to see what this team is. Right. One thirty six. Like the Knicks had a better season last year, regular season last year, than the New Orleans Pelicans, but played in a conference where you needed to finish over 500. And then you saw how the Pelicans played once they got in. Right. Once they got in. Actually, why people said, well, now Zion is staying. Yeah. Knicks didn't get that opportunity. So it's funny how that worked. But it, it like, that's my reasoning for like the record less matters to me. Like they win 37 games again, but it's the 10 seed. Then they surprise the ninth seed and win. And then surprise the, the whoever, seventh or eighth seed. And they're the eighth seed next year. And they take whoever, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Boston to six games. Literally have the season the Pelicans did last year. And the perspective will change. And it's why, like, if this team is watchable for 82, and I think that's where Tibbs has to, I don't say has to, like, like what I say, he's going to listen right. to. But like, as far as our perspective as fans to feel more comfortable with him moving forward, it's why like giving us a watchable product where we're not, it seems like the losing is still a movement toward the future, like toward development. I'm okay with Obi Toppin learning through experience, Emmanuel quickly learning from experience, Deuce McBride 
learning when given opportunity through experience. And it's it's a more watchable product that you can be excited about, you know. Um, right. And I think that's what those last fourteen games were for so many people. Like we've been waiting for this all year. Like this could have been all year. Like yeah, we probably don't win more than the amount of games we won. Um, yeah, and it's why like I said this during a post game last year. If there's one coach I want, like teaching defensive habits, uh, long term NBA principles that you know, they'll be able to use toward a team that can contend one day. It's coach. It's Tom Thibodeau. Like I, I know Doc Rivers is living off that 08 championship mm. as like, I won a title, but he has Tom Thibodeau and Kevin Garnett to thank for why mm. that title was even won. Um, and look, he's going to have to wear it that he let Julius do whatever he wanted last year. He comes out opening night and like Obi's in, in the first quarter and it's like a I'll settle for 28, 20. I'll, I'll settle for 28, 20 at this point, 20 minutes of Obi Toppin. And I get to see what that looks like. Like I'm in, I, I like, I'd be honest. I'm in. I, I, what I, I think what my bigger frustration, I think John's much bigger frustration was that like Tibbs isn't a good coach. Like he might be having a bad season, but there are so many other factors going on like the player we just gave an extension to turning into a pumpkin overnight, you know, that's like, what, what is he supposed to turn to? I'm supposed to, I was brought here to make the playoffs and win games. I know the, what can win games. And it's that guy start making his shots again and, mm. you know, forfeiting the, that's why I was like, this front office needs to step in and be like, we're going to change the priority around and see what Obi is like shift gears a bit. So that those last 14 games could have been the last 30. My so. my biggest, my biggest thing with Tibbs is, is he made certain decisions that I think actually impacted the result of the games. Mm-hmm. And I think, and you know, this and especially in the NFL, mm-hmm. when a coach can't even manage timeouts in the fourth quarter, when a coach that can't even, doesn't even use his challenges correctly. Like, situational football coaches get fired just for that. Like, Mm -hmm. like the development of certain young players that's voided certain things. Like if you can't make decisions as a coach to put your team, like I remember there was a the Phoenix game, Cam Reddish comes in, shuts down Cam Johnson Hmm. in the fourth quarter. He goes back to Fournier because of the template way Cam Johnson goes off. Knicks lose that game against the Brooklyn Nets. We were down like 20. Uh, we were up 20. Get, give up the lead against the Kevin Durant list Brooklyn Nets, mm-hmm. not the full roster Brooklyn Nets. We lost against the Lakers uh, without Anthony Davis by 20 something points. Like there were certain games and certain situations um, in the fourth quarter in rotational basketball in even assignment strategy basketball to where early in the game he went to it. It was working. And then because of his way of, well, Alec Burks has to come in with nine minutes to go. And now I'm going to play him the whole fourth. Julius Randle has to come in the fourth with 10 minutes to go. And now he's going to play the whole fourth. Because of that, what I what I call template coaching, mm-hmm. I think that is what frustrates me. Because to me, if your argument, if your counter to that is, well, he needs better players. Okay, he, let, let's give him the better players. But will that style of coaching, will that change just because he has different players or will he always stick to a certain way 
that he coaches because I reference other sports and I reference coaching around professional sports. How many times do we see certain coaches have certain reputations? The rosters change year to year, but the way that they manage a game never does because that's just how that coach got there. In other words, players, you know, people that expect all of a sudden the Knicks next year to turn into Mike D'Antoni off is not going to happen. Like Tibbs got here as a professional with his principles, with his strategy, with his playbook, he's not going to change that. But I'm hoping that he just becomes more flexible. And I've said that he, one of the things that I think fans will look for this season is Donovan Knicks or Donovan Les Knicks. How will Tibbs manage certain basketball situations? Will it look like last season or will it change? Will he show more flexibility, more trust into certain lineups and certain players to allow this team to to win more ball games? I think that's where he's going to be evaluated. And that's where, and it's not even a counterpoint. I just I think he was that as his first year here. You know, like how many times did the fourth quarter lineup was it just the hot hand? You know, oh quickly he's got it going tonight. I'll go with him. Oh, this is. This is a night Derrick Rose plays the entire fourth quarter, you know, and like those, those, those Alec Burks, Burks heat check games where it was like, he might go for 35 <laughs> tonight. So we, we got to play Alec Burks this entire fourth quarter. So like, I, I do think that's in him. It's why the Miami game last year was such like a revelation for me. Like, oh, he does still have this in him. He has played the hot hand this entire fourth quarter, made every correct substitution and they came back against a team at full strength that's trying to be the number one seed in the Eastern right. Conference. And it, it gave me, I don't know if this false hope, but that the version <laughs> that you're looking for is still in there. I think if I had to psychoanalyze a guy that's impossible to, to figure out what he's thinking, he saw how last he saw um Kemba Walker and he was like the first to figure it out that Kemba's washed right like but before all of us figured it out he was like Kemba's washed and then like COVID Omicron happened and everybody went out and then he had to insert Kemba Kemba has the best three games of his season and then it was impossible to bench him again Kemba goes back to being washed and it's like do we give him another month off so that way he's better again and Tibbs like kind of had to play him because the PR on this, like we're not winning and I'm benching Kemba again. Like yep. I'm not going to win this battle. Hey, you, yeah, you got Bush. You definitely do. If you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped, taking control of your Bush is important. These products are so good. You're going to be showering in your new Bush free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using discount code FILMSCHOOL for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just need a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. Inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to a ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology. No need for night vision goggles. This trimmer has an LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. Second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. 
This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep in your step with the Crop Preserver Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Spray-On Toner. With the performance package, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use your code FILMSCHOOL. It's time you level up from the Amazon to the Amadong with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. I think... I mean, we're definitely going to find out this season Mm -hmm. uh, because obviously, even if they don't move forward in this trade, the Knicks have done a lot already, um, clearing some some, you know, some log jams to allow him to 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 use some of the the weapons here. Yeah. Um, Do you think there's more you think that he is likelier to survive if Donovan is here? Or if we go with the roster we have today, I think if Donovan Mitchell's here, they're good enough and he's good enough. This is my confidence. And this is where I'm, I'm no, this is not John Macri on the pot. Um, I think he's good enough that with a guy so good on offense, like Donovan Mitchell, he'll be able to scheme the defense. So, so well that the Knicks will overachieve to what Vegas is thinking to what all of us are thinking. Like, I think, I think the roster is good enough with with Mitchell to save save him. He would like so much would have to go wrong that he needs to win 50, like 46, 47. Like, dude, Ah. he just won 37 games. A 10 win improvement is like enough for me. Mm. You know, that's enough. Yes. See, I I actually think if in in an Eastern conference as top heavy like that, I actually think if Donovan's here, he has more pressure. He he has to. I think he has to hit a certain uh, because he, he, here's here's what would happen, right? Donovan comes. Mm-hmm. If this team is hovering around five hundred with a superstar like Donovan, who in Utah, I mean, you can make an argument he might actually enter a more talented team here on paper than what he had in Utah. So he comes here, he went 44, 45 wins. He has Johnny Bryant, who's his guy. And and you know how these superstars start mm. to go when they come into Tibbs wasn't my coach. He was already here. That's not my guy. The, Tibbs, Tibbs is a great coach. I respect mm-hmm. him. But Tibbs doesn't know how I play basketball. You know, this is how these guys are, you know, in a player's league, players driven league, player empowerment league. I could see a scenario where if this team is not winning a certain amount and it just doesn't look great on the court. Where else do this organization go to just kind of shift things and say, you know, maybe we can get better. If, in other words, if they can't improve the roster, you know, next season because, you know, they don't have enough assets or whatever the case may be. I'm just talking about from just what organizations do. You know what's next is the coaches, coaches, you know, is on the chopping block. You're 100 percent right. The easiest move if the roster fails is change the coach, like especially when Donovan Mitchell's boy is right there. What I'm saying is again, I, I think the differentiation I'm making is not record. Like I think the 47 wins could be the five seed next mm-hmm. year. 48 was the five seed this past season. So if they're the five seed and they're playing 
you know, Philly or the say they play Brooklyn and take Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons to six games. And it's a hard, again, the, the New Orleans model is what I'm trying to follow here. They'll come back next season. They'll at least go into the offseason. Like we took a step forward now. Third star. Where are you? Or second star. Where are you? And that's mm-hmm. the evaluation I'm making. If they're the 10 seed and it's 30, 34 wins and they had done well, they won't make it that far if it's 34 wins, and Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> but if they're he, he won't make it to the end of the season. Yeah, wins. I don't think if even without Donovan, if he's on pace for 34, he won't even see the end of the season. <laughs> so say they have the season the Hornets just had and they're the 10 seed, but they're four games over 500, which honestly is currently constructed. I think they're like 43 and 39 is like a fair evaluation or projection. But with Donovan Mitchell, they win 43 games and then get blown out in the play in. Then it's Johnny Bryant time. Um, I guess my only it's not even a counterpoint. It's just like I never saw last year what the coaching change would do if it meant Julius still played the same amount. of. Like I didn't deceive Johnny Bryant being like, all right, Obi's now starting. You know, I saw it being a lot of the exact exact same things. I just wanted Tibbs to, like you said, be a little more flexible. There are numbers to back up and Alec Burks starting at point guard at a certain point. Emmanuel quickly should have been the starting point guard of the team last year. And I think Tibbs, if you believe Mark Berman, realized that, that Obi and quickly should have gotten more burn earlier, earlier on towards the end of the season. And it's the comments that he made to justify these moves. That, the comments after was, the Miami was game, it Leon saying, yeah, yeah. was it Leon saying that, uh, that that's the best we have. Mm-hmm. And you have Deuce and an IQ behind them, and that's the best we have. Like Leon didn't say that. I don't think Worldwide West, who went to James Dolan, thought that. So I think it, it's not only the decisions; is his explanation mm-hmm. to to the media on why he made those decisions, and then and then he says, "Well." You know, you guys don't watch the games. You got to watch it two, I, three, four, five times. Like, how do you know? How do you know what happened if you didn't watch the games? I mean, I guess I have to watch the games three, four times to see that IQ didn't start yeah. over over Alec Burke. So I think when you look at that, like the last season was just a mess in many ways. And I think I'm just hoping that this year uh, there's a better approach to how he handles um just certain situations, how he handles the players. One of the main things I'm looking for is accountability. You know, mm-hmm. will he hold players accountable? And now Donovan, Donovan's here. You know, are, is he going to hold Donovan accountable? So it's it's going to be interesting. But I think I actually think the Knicks are are going to do well this season because they they look to be. You know, if you look at Leon Rose, he made an important statement where he said, we are looking to build off the end of the season and continue. I'm holding them accountable to what they say. Leo doesn't say much. He doesn't talk much to the media. But when he does, I'm paying attention to the words that he uses. And when I look at that, that's why I think, and you look at their actions with what they've done with some of the veterans are gone. um, I think the Knicks are looking to pivot to the young guys. And I think that's actually going to be a positive uh, for Tom Thibodeau. I know we're running a little long, but I, I mean, frankly, it's late enough that I don't think there is a time limit on this episode. Yeah. JD. Um, <laughs> like it's weird. Donovan Mitchell would make this team better as currently constructed, constructed granted, like cam just like has no rotation spot, but injuries happen. Like having Fournier be the backup 
two means more minute opportunities for quickly. You know, like because you could play quickly as the hot hand down the stretch if Fournier doesn't have it one night. Um, if 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 I, the biggest if of the season, if the roster goes into the regular season as is, if Julius Randle's role is going to be dialed back and Obi can play more, if Derrick Rose can play twenty minutes a game and isn't forced into these like thirty minutes second halves, you know, which is funny because there's only twenty four minutes a half. Right. Like a 30 minute second half. Right. Um, Like if he can go back to a 20 minute player. So Jalen Brunson can take the the more of the load. Right. If all those things happen, this could actually be a very fun and watchable season. I, I last couple of things before I let you go. That's funny. The number one question in everybody's mind is, is Donovan Mitchell going to be a Nick? I'll ask you, what is Donovan Mitchell going to be a Nick by training camp? Listen, man. You don't you don't flirt so much with someone <laughs> and not go out on a date, mm-hmm. right? Like like you you don't go this far. And I, don't, I think they have been dating. I just <laughs> someone I mean, hasn't yeah, come home yet. Someone hasn't I, come home I yet. Mean, exactly. they, they might be because I mean Donovan Mitchell can't get enough of uh-huh. New York, right? I mean, maybe he's living the experience. Maybe in his mind, maybe mm-hmm. he's he already is a Nick, and he knows that, and mm-hmm. he's like, well, by the time they announce it. The summer is going to be over. I'm not going to be able to go to Rucker Park. I'm not going to be able to do, you know, uh, the Mets are going to be in playoff baseball. It might be too cold by then. So (laughs) imagine if he decides to tell Utah, like, you need to train me to New York so I can go to Mets playoff games. Oh, imagine if the Mets are what gets Donovan Mitchell to finally force his way to that atmosphere in in City Field. Uh He's a Nick and, and, you know. Donovan's is going out there 40 on opening night and he's throwing out the first pitch of the world series. I mean, look at the energy that it brought to the Rangers, right. Mm -hmm. With, with, with Brian Dable and Joe Shane and, and, you know, all these celebrities and and coaches and people, they came around that team and and brought a lot of energy. So the city was on fire. So I think if Donovan's here, it's, it's, it's going to add a whole another dimension to the city. Um, I, yeah, I, I absolutely think it's going to happen. And the reason is, Again, just pay attention to the reporting, who it's coming from and how many times this is multiple times that Woj, Shams, Begley has said, you know, they are talking. They are this. They are that. Also, look at that Utah roster after this Laker trade. Yeah, they have like eight, nine guards. It's not that roster is not going to stay the same. There's still more moves to be made. Is 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 this the the off season that Donovan was hoping for to take the next step in Utah? No, I don't think so. I think it's pretty clear when you look at the actions of Danny Ainge where this is headed. You have you're talking about a potential people say generational talent coming in next year in the draft. I can't even pronounce his name. Uh, Victor <laughs> Wembenyama. I think I got it right. Victor, Victor Wembenyama. Yeah. Wembenyama. Yeah. Well, that guy. They're talking about Kevin Durant. They're talking about all these other comparisons. Mm-hmm. Andrew, look what the Spurs did. The Spurs realized last season, Dejounte Murray won us more games than we needed to. <laughs> and who did who did they draft? The ninth pick, Jeremy Sohan. A Jeremy Sohan in every draft for the next three four years is not getting you anywhere. 
Right. It's not getting you to where you need to be. So what did the Spurs did, do this offseason? They made it clear what their intentions are. They traded away DeJounte Waring. I'm not, we're not going through that again. Does Danny Ainge want to do the same thing? Does he want to keep Donovan so he's a he gets the ninth overall pick in next year's draft? Is that what you want to do? I don't think so. So I think when you look at all things, if Danny Ainge wasn't the GM of the, uh, he didn't have the ego. You know, people have profiles. He has to live up to the legacy. He has to live up, live up to his past trades. I think the ego is a big part of why this has gone on this far. Um, because he want he has to win the trade. He his ego was inflated by the Rudy Gobert trade. <laughs> um, and I think it's New York. It's the whole New York thing. You know, Donovan comes here, spotlight the money. And, you know, he 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 wants to win this trade. So I think he's going to be a New York Nick. I don't know if he's going to be a New York Nick by training camp, but I think well, he should be because you want to do that to a rookie head coach. Yeah. Yeah. Will Hardy. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to expose that? I mean, Danny Ainge probably doesn't even care, to be honest with you. It's like, hey, we draft, we hired you. Right. But you don't You'll want his right. first press conference to be like, when is Donovan Mitchell getting traded? Have you talked to Donovan about getting traded? Do you think Donovan Mitchell is going to get like, you know, so you can, you can lose. Eliminate I know that team, distraction. Yeah. And, and I know as a team that's not expected to do much, but go ask the Houston Rockets and Silas how that affected that locker room when he had to answer. And, and James Harden is, you know, half-assing the games. He's half-assing the press conferences and he doesn't even care what anything, what the head coach, you know, there was reports he wasn't even running the plays that the head Mm -hmm. coach wanted. Like he was doing everything he could to force his way out. Now, I don't think Donovan will do that, but we all know where this is going. So for all those reasons, I just think it makes too much sense. And the Knicks may have to give up more unprotected picks than they want. Are you okay with them? giving up more unprotected picks than they want? I'm on the fence with three, man. I'm hearing oh, four. Shit. I don't know. That might, you might have to go so, four. Sham says two. Oh, Berman geez. says four. You, you know what that means. Usually, you know, if I'm selling you something, Andrew, and I'm saying $50 behind closed doors, I'm, I probably want 40, but I'm telling you 50 so you can come down to 40. Mm-hmm. So when you see two and then somebody else reporting four, Danny Ainge might settle on three. I don't know if the Knicks want to do that. You just reminded me of the summer I graduated college and I knew I was moving back up north. How I was selling all my furniture. <laughs> like I had a price I was going to go to. I listed it as like double plus 20 bucks. <laughs> and as long as you like didn't go past that actual last price, I was fine. And that's so you, what, can, you can come out looking smart. Like, exactly. Yes, like, I got what I wanted. I want $300 for my bed that I've used for two years. Like, uh, how's 150? Uh, you drive a hard bargain, but yeah. you got it. What if taking 100 but- for it? But Nobody I'll that bought my you. furniture yeah. for graduated college is watching you, this. You list all the excuses why you give it for 150. Exactly. Yep, that's exactly, exactly what's going on here. Um, I also think he's a Nick. Um, and I think we're looking at the next two weeks. It gets done. Labor I don't Day think weekend? they go. You know what? Yeah, Maybe. I think Labor Day weekends. I mean, it's not the actual deadline, but it's like a, it's like a soft. I think that's a soft estimated deadline. deadline that I think it gets done. And then you go into training camp. Everybody knows what team they're going into training camp with. Um, yeah. And and here's one last thing. Here's why they're close. The Shams report was the first time we've actually heard the offer. Yeah. Heard the offer. 
And when you get to this point in the offseason and now it's it's called, it's kind of like preparing the fan base, preparing the public for more or less what the framework is going to look like. Five picks up Obi. So does it end up being a second player with Obi or Obi comes out and it's, you know, Grimes in IQ and then it, one of the picks is unprotected, like whatever happens. But I think we got a glimpse of more or less what's going to look like. And because of that, and you didn't see any other reports after that was reported, you didn't see the media say, oh my God, that's a terrible offer mm -hmm. from the Knicks. Everybody was calm, cool, collected. Like, okay. So I think at this point, everyone is accepting where this is headed. What we're seeing now, in my opinion, is the last bit of Danny Ainge trying to drive up the price, the Kevin Durant dynamic. It's ended. So now it's like, well, maybe the Lakers want to get Donovan or maybe the Brooklyn Nets want to get Donovan. And I just think it's just Danny Ainge at that last attempt to get that one last pick or get the protections out of one more pick. But in the end, I think he gets done. Then the actual last question, this as Knicks fan TV, you'll appreciate this last question. Mm. What will be the reaction when you and CP and I imagine Alex are reacting live with all of your callers <laughs> and all of your, your listeners, I guess at that time, viewers, um, what will be the reaction amongst the fan base? Will they be disappointed? We gave up too much. Will it not matter if it's actually too much or not? They will be disappointed that young player X is gone. Or is there a world where we'll celebrate getting Donovan Mitchell? I, I'm going to be honest with you, Andrew. If this deal gets done and you're looking at the combination of four unprotecteds mm -hmm. plus plus Obi, oh, plus specifically Obi, mm -hmm. specifically, I think I think this fan base can live without Grimes. I think that they can live without it. But the connection that this fan base has with Obi mm -hmm. and also knowing that it, as a result of that, Julia stays. Boy, this team better win 50 games. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, Donovan, you better come in here and average 28 mm -hmm. because you know how this town gets. And I'm just being objective. People may disagree, but you guys know how this gets. If that happens and this team does not perform, that trade, people are going to quickly turn. Hopefully not, but people will quickly turn on Donovan and definitely the pressure will end any up on Julius because if, you know how we feel about our homegrown players. If this team's looking like a play-in team, a, 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 a barely play-in team by after giving up four first round first, four unprotected first round picks. Yeah, there's no... I also wonder if that's part of the calculation. Like Leon knows this doesn't make me a top six mm. in the East. So <laughs> like, I don't want to, but again, I also do see a scenario where the right injury and the right combination of players, this team wins 48 games and they're like just outside of home court, you know? So that's, a, I wonder if all of this is part of the calculation. I will second that no matter who the young guy that goes is, people will be upset. They will just, I didn't get to see enough of Obi. I didn't get to see enough of quickly. Dear Lord, did we, how, how could we trade RJ Barrett? Oh my God. You know, I think, and this is the caveat I've, I've been telling like people, like my, my friend group, like I'm not, RJ's not untouchable in the right deal for Donovan Mitchell for me. RJ 
plus a kid plus four unprotected is just like a non-starter. But if for some we if some way he's able to substitute RJ and it's two unprotected and like all the the garbage OKC picks, right? Like so technically Ainge can walk away with a young player that was drafted third overall three years ago that just averaged 20 a game and six picks, like regardless of the protections, six picks, right? Then you have three years to move forward with Donovan Mitchell and this team and see what it is. Then you've got Julius on a contract year, or as Julius's contract ages, it gets honestly more tradable. Again, we talked about the, the cap going up and you're, you have enough assets for the next deal. And look, there's an element of this that I thought of the other day that I don't think people have mentioned. Brock Aller just took a lottery pick and got three protecteds for it that we're now using in another deal in a, in, in a pick swap, like say they offer a couple pick swaps, you do get to keep your pick. Right. So say the Knicks with the 16th, 15th pick in two years, trade that for two more protected. Whoever's those are, those are assets. Those are things you can put into that trade for now the second star, right? So I'm with you that I think people will be upset no matter what. And it's why, you know, you and CP and John and I and Jeremy and Alex, we all have a job to do and it's to play therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people will be upset. I, I do hope there is a realization. This is the best player we've had since Carmelo Anthony. And you don't just like, you either have to tank for several years, like unapologetically or draft and scout correctly or trade or sign them. And the Knicks will have done one of those successfully. And Um, and they'll have one of those guys. And and Donovan may be the most exciting guard we've had since. uh, Can you even name him? Exciting guard since Allen Houston. Houston is pretty well. And that's like, they were so specifically like, Alan Houston, a a sharp shooter. Al Latrell Sprewell, like, was big with pace and energy. But even those guys, defense. I mean, kids are not growing up saying, "I want to be Alan Houston." Right, like, right. Donovan Mitchell plays a style of basketball that is just explosive. His box office, his national TV. You know, you see Steph Curry, like you see these six one, six two, six three guards. They relate more. To, to to the aspiring basketball player and their style of play, especially Donovan, who dunks the basketball, drives to the to, to the lane, um, makes tough shots. Like that style is, I mean, you can even make a case is more exciting than even Melo's game because Melo was uh, an outstanding mid-range shooter, pivot guy, um, but he didn't have necessarily like that Donovan has. So Donovan comes here. I mean, you're looking at, a very, very fun team that that people are going to be looking forward to watching. Indeed. Um, I'm sure everybody kind of sound after- like Stephen A. Smith said there. Box hey. office. He loves hey. he loves his takes are more like box office and what fills the stand. Right. <laughs> I, I got to be honest. You you know way more about his takes than I do at this point <laughs> in, in the process. I used to think Stephen A. was in on the joke. Now he's made my life and at times my job more difficult. So. Um, you know, Stephen, I'm glad that you have made the money you have. It does not mean I'm required to watch your your content. Um, I know everybody loves it when Nick's Film School and Nick's Fan TV does these crossovers. Uh, oh it was with the Alfred and the Robin of mm. each specific entity. But uh, JD, it's uh, I'm sure our D- our DM conversation will continue to to 
be as spicy as it's been throughout the season. And dude, it was just really good to finally get to do this. Like actually get to have a conversation with the guy that's responding to callers in ways that I always <laughs> want him to like here, rational thought. Uh, can you tell the people at home where they can find you if they don't already know? Uh, well, on Twitter, JD Sports Talk NY. Just follow me on Twitter. Always have some interesting things to to post there on on the Knicks and all things uh, New York sports. And of course, you can find me on Knicks Fan TV. It's pretty self explanatory on on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, listen, man, this was fun. It was a blast. And you know us at Knicks Fan TV. Uh, this is family. And this is always uh, fun and exciting. Everyone in the community looks forward to it. So looking forward to many more to come. And I can't wait for the season. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, JD. Thank you. A big thank you to JD for coming on today's pod. I don't think I have to tell any of you to go subscribe to the Knicks Fan TV YouTube channel. But on the off chance that you are subscribed to our channel, to our podcast, and not to Knicks Fan TV. Head on over both to the YouTube channel and to their podcast. And give them a subscribe, a like. How about a rate and a review? They're good friends of ours. They're friends of the pod. As you heard, JD is a good guy and has great analysis. And I enjoy their stuff just personally as well. If I wasn't like doing this for a living, I would absolutely still be a fan of Knicks fan TV. So thanks again, uh, JD and uh, to the homie CP. Hope you guys are all doing well. Um, this Monday, there will be an episode where John and Jeremy and sporadically through myself will be talking. I have no idea if we're scrapping the uh, episode with the fifth pick draft and we're just going to talk about all the recent news and what it means. And that's the episode you get. I know I'm hosting one of the shows next week, but you can expect an episode Monday morning with John and Jeremy. That I can be sure of. What's on that episode? Who knows? Donovan Mitchell could get traded to the Knicks on Sunday. So there you go. That would be the episode that we did in that case. Uh, but all that being said, brand new episode on Monday featuring your boys, John and Jeremy. And then, you know, a fun week of shows. You know how Knicks Film School does. Before I get out of here, I put a flyer out last week for anybody that wants to help us with a website. And we got a bunch of responses and we've got some options to choose from. And it's been great to see some really creative people help us out. And, you know, we really, really appreciate it. So I'm going to do it again and ask if anyone is interested in helping us with timestamps. So sometimes on the YouTube channel, you'll see that I add timestamps and then you'll see sometimes there aren't timestamps. Well, just to be perfectly honest, you know I put my heart and soul into this and work as hard as I can. There's a lot going on right now and moving pieces. So I've I've fallen behind on the timestamps and haven't been able to. If there's someone out there that just wants to get involved with Nick's Film School and wants to be part of our team and one of, honestly, your, your only job right now is just to help me out with timestamps. I'm sure there are other things we could find to get you involved with Nick's Film School and be part of the team. But that in particular is what I'm looking for help with at the moment. DM me, shoot me an email. We'll, we'll collaborate. These episodes come out at midnight Eastern Standard Time on the podcast feed, usually. And then at 3 a.m. on the West, well, 3 a.m. Eastern, but midnight on the West Coast on YouTube. So as long as they're ready, 
ready for the morning is what I care about. So whoever is able to fit that time description, hit me up. I would greatly appreciate the help if somebody's interested and you know, you get to help us continue to make this product even better than it already is. Okay. Hit me up. Hope you guys are having a great weekend or have a great weekend. If you dig the show, head on over to iTunes and drop a five-star rating and a review. Take care. We'll see you on Monday. And thank you for listening. Peace. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.